0: The Edmonton Oilers host the LA Kings for the first matchup between the two Pacific Division foes since their seven-game playoff series of a year ago. We discuss the matchup on a Locked On crossover special. I'm Eddie Garcia, host of Locked On LA Kings. He is Brett Holden, the host of Locked On Oilers. And uh, Brett, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us on the eve of this uh, Pacific Division matchup. First time they've met this season. I'm sure it's not quite as big of a matchup for you guys because last year you went on to bigger and better things and made it to the Western Conference Finals where the Kings obviously their season ended in that seven game series game seven up in Edmonton. Um, So uh, I guess the first question would be you kind of made a gesture with your head there that made me think maybe I'm wrong. Is this is this kind of a important matchup or a big matchup up in Edmonton?
1: Uh, yeah, I think it is. The Edmonton Oilers' biggest issue. And Thank you so much for joining, having me today. I really appreciate it. Uh, but yes, no, I, I really think that this might be a little more difficult, I think, for the Edmonton Oilers than a lot of people are talking about. I was just coming back home and on the radio, they're talking about, oh, Cal Peterson's in that. And, you know, he's got this save percentage and the expected save for this and that and that. You go, well, first of all, you don't know the Edmonton Oilers because they just lost, uh, well, Kochenkoff hasn't lost once in his uh, career yet. But The Edmonton Oilers have issues with goaltenders that aren't supposed to be all that. And I'm a big Cal Peterson guy. The Edmonton Oilers' biggest issue has been consistency so far this year. And, well, if there's anything that the Edmonton Oilers might need is a win right now and especially against a really good los angeles kings team i think it's going to be much more difficult than uh, people are really etching this out to be by the way just just before we get started i know you are uh with the kings i just wanted to uh pull this out and congratulate lafc for y'all massive victory i have the dodgers and the lafc I noticed Jersey that over here as well. So I'm a big L.A. guy. I just want to preface that. But,
0: yes, right. thank you. Sorry, thank you for letting me have my little moment. There. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. That's cool. Uh, well, it, it sounds like the Oilers and the Kings may be brothers from another mother because consistency has been an issue with the Kings as well in a lot of areas. But uh, just real quick, the records going into tonight's game, L.A. comes in 10, 7, and 1, 21 points, second place in the Pacific at the moment. And the Oilers are 9 and 7. 18 points they're fourth in the pacific right now and we'll maybe we'll talk if we have time a little bit about the pacific vision so far this year uh but i guess the first obvious question would be um it looks like the oilers are not where a lot of us thought they would be so far at this point in the season i know i in in our preseason locked on predictions i had them second to calgary and neither one of those teams are in the top four at the moment so things have started (laughs) off very interestingly but uh, I, I, like I said, fair to say the Oilers are not where, uh, people thought they would be at this point. Right.
1: Yeah, no, exactly how we predicted, isn't it? No. Um, but yeah, there are. A lot of interesting issues with the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, the Edmonton Oilers did lose Evander Kane and will have him out of the lineup for a very long time. Uh, Kyler Yamamoto, A, hasn't really been healthy, and B, hasn't been the player the Edmonton Oilers needed. So they're kind of having to run a makeshift top six, and really it's a, a top four plus Yes, Apollo RV and whoever you want to put next to Leon Drive Tonight is going to be Warren Fogle, but I feel like I knowing uh Jay Woodcroft here, I, I don't think it's going to end up as uh Will ooh, Will Fogle, Warren Fogle as the uh, uh second line winger there by the end of the night. Then they're not really getting contributions from the top or bottom six all the time. Last game, Tyson Berry scored the first two goals. So that was big for them. And the big win against the Florida Panthers Connor McDavid and Leon Drysidel only got one point in Mm. that game. So eh, they can do it but it, there's just too many real issues really that make Edmonton Oilers fans sit there and go, yeah, the Edmonton Oilers are going to win this game for sure.
0: So I guess uh, just judging by some of what you said and, and looking at the stats, Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle are doing what we you expect them to do. They're playing, they're pulling their end of the bargain. The rest of the guys need to step up and support them because even as great as those two guys are, this is hockey and it's not a two-man game, right? A hundred percent, a hundred percent, and I constantly hear people going, Well,
1: why is Ryan Nugent Hopkins playing next to Connor McDavid? Why is Yesap Poliarvi playing next to Connor Con- Con- McDavid? The interesting thing is is that Leon and Connor supposedly asked management to keep Yesap Polilyarvi that they want him to be on the team and they enjoy actually playing with him. That's all nice and everything but you gotta produce and and that is the big like you said Connor and Leon are doing what everybody expects them to do at the start of the season Ryan Nugent Hopkins had more goals than Leon Dreisaitl at one point Ryan McLeod was tied with Leon Dreisaitl with with goals. Now we're, what, 16 games into the season, and the Edmonton Oilers are starting to look like the Edmonton Oilers with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. It's, well, I should say the the, the depth is starting to look like what it normally does. And heading into this season, that was the big thing. You got Evander Kane here. You got all these great guys. Oh, you, and Holloway's going to bur- burst into the lineup and, You've gotten none of it yet, and that is the big thing. I think Jay Woodcroft has to figure out how to get the most out of the players not named Connor McDavid or Leon Draisaitl.
0: Yeah, Um. so you mentioned Evander Kane, uh, and I'm sure a lot of people know this very scary injury where he took the skate blade to the wrist, a severe cut, he said, down to the bone, and I've seen the pictures of him where his arm is like completely immobilized and wrapped up and you, it's something you can't move. So he's obviously going to be out for quite a while. How is that affecting the top six? Oh,
1: it, it, it's it,
0: take your bets on who's going to to play with
1: Leon Dreisaitl, and and it's it really ruins the consistency of the top six. The injury to to Kyler Yamamoto has also a, accelerated that type of worry almost because you're sitting there and going, okay, well you're not getting top six minutes from a guy who should be in the top six. And now you're already, already struggling for secondary scoring. So, who are you going to put in there? I'm not genuinely. I said this as a joke, but I wouldn't be surprised if Clem Costin at a point was playing on the second line with Leon Seidel. That is the issue that this comes into. And that going into the season again, everybody was talking about the depth and even going, coming out of the uh, preseason guys like James Hamblin, Luke Esposito, Tyler Benson finally looked like he was getting into his groove in the NHL. And then he got injured again. So it has really had a ripple effect on who's not only playing in the top six, but also who's playing in the bottom six. And now Dylan Holloway is lining up in the fourth line when everybody thought he was going to be playing in the top six and really contributing guys playing six minutes a game. And it's it's much more of a detriment than people really realize. I think it honestly may force the Edmonton Oilers hand into making a trade.
0: One of the big reasons why the Oilers uh, eliminated the Kings last season in the playoffs was how much better their power play was than the LA Kings. Uh, Is the power play still uh, running at a, at a high clip for the Oilers? Is that still something that's going to, that's been a big advantage for them so far this season, as opposed to some of their opponents. Oh yeah, a
1: hundred percent. And the issue is the Edmonton Oilers penalty kills. So special teams has really played into the factor of the Edmonton Oilers games and all of them. And once the Edmonton Oilers get on that power play, I mean, let's be real. You're you're you're. <laughs> there's only so much you can do when the puck's going from Connor McDavid to Leon Dreisaitl to Ryan Nugent Hopkins to Zach Hyman to to uh, Tyson Barry, and you're sitting there going, I I, I don't know what to do. <laughs> so. There is that is the one plus side for the Edmonton Oilers right now, sitting third in the league in the power play, as they should. And that is every team you hear that plays against the Oilers, they always go, You gotta stay disciplined because you don't want to go up against their power play. And there's there's a reason why. And yes, it is the one decent thing or one consistent thing for the Edmonton Oilers where you're going, huh, okay. We're on the power play. Maybe there's a chance. So, yeah.
0: Got to ask you about the goaltending because going into the season, you acquire Jack Campbell to take over for the aging Mike Smith. uh, And a lot of people, including myself, thought that that was going to be an upgrade in net. Has that proven to be the case so far? And what is the goaltending situation like for your Oilers?
1: Yeah. <laughs> um. Here's so my stance. Yeah. <laughs> my stance on it, or how I feel about the Edmonton Oilers goaltending, is that uh, more specifically with Jack Campbell, I think Jack Campbell. The numbers are maybe leading a little astray. I'm not going to say they're lying because numbers don't lie, but Jack Campbell. Has been making the saves, or at least before the last couple of games, I should say, was making the saves that he should save, may should make. Really, yes. Sometimes the Edmonton Oilers were down, but then when it came to keeping the Edmonton Oilers in it, he was there to make the big save. He was there to make the initial save, and then there's only so much you can do when you're lying on your stomach after basically tearing your groin after letting a guy have a breakaway from center ice and left him for. For <laughs> dead basically um, And that's how I can feel With Jack Campbell Before the last couple of games Now especially Against Carolina Oh my goodness I genuinely think There is something wrong with the stringing Of that man's glove the, I think they, he has genuinely Had two goals go through his glove And I, I don't say that figuratively it Literally through the laces of his glove. And then you sit there as a goaltender and go, what can I do? (laughs) It literally feels like everything is going through me. And then you see him go into the press and go, I've been pathetic and say this, that, and the other thing, which isn't... eh not which wasn't not expected that's those are words that should come out of someone's mouth um but he has always done it in fact luke gadzik a former edmonton oiler and a former teammate of jack campbell's said on uh, hockey central before one of the oilers games he said that when they were both teammates in texas in the ahl with the texas stars They had to have closed-door meetings, a couple of them with Jack, about talking to the media about all this, putting it very poorly. And we're still seeing it today. So could he be in his own head? Maybe. But it doesn't help as well that Stuart Skinner has the third-best save percentage amongst goaltenders who has played at least five games or more. It doesn't help. But uh, right now, to, to be honest with you, Je- Stuart Skinner is getting the start tonight, and I think uh, rightfully so.
0: Well, we've talked about the forwards. We've talked about the special teams. we talked about the goaltending. I guess the obvious final question would be about the defense. It's, it's kind of always been, from the outside looking in, the biggest point of contention with the Oilers. We know they have enough offense, but can they keep the other team from scoring as many goals as well? So defensively, how have the Oilers looked so far this year?
1: Spoiler alert. Not great. <laughs> not great. Uh, you know what? At times I sat there and went, you know what? Cody CC's our most stable defenseman. Well, in the last couple of games, not so much. It has been the guy that everybody loves to hate. Darnell Nurse, who has been the most mm-hmm. stable goaltender, or goaltender, uh, defenseman for the Oilers. Heck, if he can play goalie, I- I'm behind it. Um, but, Even in a game against, uh, I forget which game it was, but the Edmonton Oilers were up late 3-2 against a very good team in a game that they needed to win. And Darnell Nurse wasn't on the ice. In fact, it was against Washington, and that is when Warren Fogle got the game-winning block and won the game for the Oilers. He also scored the game-winner, but that's okay. Um... The Edmonton Oilers defense has been, I think really it speaks to the season that the Oilers have had, has been inconsistent. Ryan Murray, first game of the year, he looked like a second overall draft pick. And then ever since then, he has been anything but. Marcus Nieminen is getting, starting to figure it out here. But the keyword is starting to. He's had some lapses. In fact, the game against the uh, New Jersey Devils, where the Oilers allowed two goals in seven seconds, how that's possible, I don't even know. It was him who misread Brat and let him come in from the blue line all the way through. Brett Kulak has been very off and on, not been the defenseman that everybody expected him to be from uh, the trade and from re-signing him as well. Evan Bouchard is missing, and I never thought I'd say this in my life, is missing Duncan Keith so bad. So bad. I, I don't understand what has happened with uh, Evan Bouchard. And I, I, it may sound a little over the top, but it almost seems like all of a sudden he's not ready anymore. And you go, well, you were supposed to be the guy who is going to take the reins of the power play quarterback and this big offensive guy from Tyson Berry, because the Edmonton Oilers are going to trade Tyson Berry at some point. Whether, whatever that's for, we'll see, but he is going to be that next power play guy. And the tentativeness that I've seen from Evan Bouchard is the tentativeness from a a player who has played three games in the NHL. I'm very concerned about Evan Bouchard, and that kind of goes for the rest of the defense, really.
0: All right, so we're going to pass the puck over to Brett in a second, let him fire some shots away at me. But first, I need to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar, you got to try the new reimagined Built Bar flavors, cookie dough topper, coconut brownie bar, coconut brownie topper, and white chocolate peppermint granola. If you haven't tried Built Bars before, they're literally the best tasting protein bars ever built. They are revolutionizing nutrition. Excuse me. Oh, One man. of those I, days. I told you. <clears throat> the voice was not doing too good today. I've been battling oh, something, yeah. you guys, so I apologize for that. I apologize to our friends at Built Bar as well. Uh, Built Bar is revolutionizing nutrition as we know it with 100% real chocolate, 17 grams of protein, and just 130 calories. You're probably wondering which flavor is the best. Well, try a mixed box and get all five flavors and figure it out for yourself. Get 15% off your order right now by using the code LOCKEDON15 at Built.com. Again, got to try these delicious Built Bars. They're amazing go to uh, built.com use locked on 15 get 15% off of your purchase. All right. <laughs> oh my god. I'm going to take, take a drink th- and Brett, I'm going to turn it over to you.
1: Yes, no, it's all good. I have a <sighs> oh, bunch of interesting man. questions for I was you. I'm doing start- so
0: well, Brett. I was doing so well and <laughs> yeah. all of a sudden my 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 throat was like, "Hey man, I need to say something." So, anyway, <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm yep. right here. Don't forget about me. No, you're all good. You're all good. Hey, it's time of the year. Time of the year. You're all good. Um, yes. No, I do have a couple of interesting questions. I'm going to start at an interesting point here because I am a, a an avid fantasy guy, and I won't lie. One of my it, this started a couple of years ago, and this was back when uh, you could get uh, younger players and draft them and keep them on your team for a little while, and I. You know what? I always like this uh, Russian international who became an American and played for uh, in the States for a little while and actually played for the U.S. program as well. And that's Arthur Kaliev. And now he has had a very solid start to the season. Maybe not the forward you thought I would start off with here, but uh, I think he's an unbelievable case in the NHL here. The guy has a shot like nobody else in this league and really is a very solid player i mean he crunched Connor mcdavid off the puck don't want to talk about it mm-hmm. uh, but he he has a lot of things here. I'm taking a look at the lines and I'm shocked to see him currently on the fourth line right now. how much can people read into that and especially considering he is he even on the first power play unit as well or is this the second?
0: Uh, he is the main weapon on the second power play unit. They try and run things through him at that right point shot and let him, as you said, uh, it's no secret. He has one of the better shots in the NHL. So uh, that's where he's gotten a few of his goals. The power play, if you ask me about it, I'm sure you will, has been an issue for the Kings again this year, but he has been one of the bright spots. And certainly again, on that second power play unit, if you're watching the game, it's they're looking to set him up for that shot. Uh, he does have a great shot and we all know it. And, and he's gotten to the point where he's so comfortable as an NHL or now he understands that he needs to shoot more. Don't defer. You're a weapon. Use it. It is interesting him on the fourth line um, because before the emergence of Gabe Velarde, uh, we thought Arthur Kaliev would be a guy who early in the season would fill in for Victor Arbitson, who had, who was coming off back surgery. Um, but he's been on the third, fourth line because you know, who's he Victor Arbitson's on the second line. Uh, you know, you've got Adrian Kempe on the first line. Uh, Gabe Velarde is also, you know, stepped up as well. So there kind of hasn't been a spot for him. So it is surprising to see him on the fourth line. Although I, I will say this, Todd McClellan likes to go to the fourth line when he needs a spark. So they get a few more minutes than maybe your typical fourth line does. But yeah, it is it is surprising to see a guy with that kind of a shot on the fourth line. Uh, But he is, like I said, the main weapon on that second power play unit. So that's where they're kind of looking to utilize utilize that shot uh, as much as possible good good no and i have always loved kaliev i think he's a phenomenal talent here
1: um you mentioned who i wanted to bring up next and that's gabriel velarde what a start to the season for gabriel velarde this year 10 goals 5 assists 15 points in 18 games not at all i think the start to the season that anybody, but maybe Gabriel Velarde's mother, may have predicted for him here. What has it been like seeing Gabriel Velarde play this year, and especially the rise of Gabriel Velarde this year?
0: It's been so fun and and so surprising um, because he was a guy who they signed him to a one year deal in the off season, basically kind of a prove it deal. Um, you know, there's it's funny as fans we see guys who are first round picks and we expect them to be immediate impact players a lot of times and. Sometimes it takes time. We saw that with Adrian Kempe. It took him a year or two longer than a lot of fans wanted it to, and it looks like that's the same case for Gabe Velarde. I hope Kings fans will keep that in mind when they start to criticize Quentin Byfield. It takes a little longer sometimes for guys, but once they get it, then they start to show the the talent that made them first-round picks. So Gabe Velarde came into this season, like I said, I really think everybody knew it was a make-or-break season for him and for him to come in and surprisingly in that situation too, it seems like take a deep breath, relax, understand that, okay, he's had a little time to transition from center to wing. Now he's coming in, even though he should have a ton of pressure on him, it almost, almost looks like he's more relaxed and he's just letting his game go and letting his talent show. And uh, they said in the off season, he really, you know, kind of, took a step back and evaluated and and he was a guy that put a ton of pressure on himself and it's it's interesting and i'm sure he would tell you this sometimes you have to take a step back take a deep breath and just say i'm gonna play i'm not gonna worry about anything else and just i know how good i can be just go out there and do it and he's he's had so much confidence he's had so much fun he's playing with a smile on his face like like he you know it's it's been an amazing transformation for him and the talent has shown. He's letting his talent show. He's got great hands. He's He's got good size. He can win puck battles behind the net. And, uh, you know, it, obviously he has now been elevated to the top line. I mean, there's no greater compliment that you can give a player to say, you are on our top line. You're going to get more minutes, and we believe in you. And he's delivered. Uh, he's, he's gone a little bit cold of late, but he, there was no way he was going to stay on that base where he was on, I think he was on pace for like uh, 50, 50 goals or something early yeah. on. You know, that's ridiculous. But I would say at this point, um, he's looks like a solid 30-goal scorer this year. And if you would have said, hey, Kings fans, what would you think about Gabe Velarde scoring 30 this year? We would all be out of our minds thinking, are you, are you <laughs> kidding me? But uh, no, it's been, it's been a great, great thing to see. It's so much fun to see him playing with the confidence that he is. And it's just awesome to see him kind of blossom into the player we thought he could be.
1: Yeah, and uh, I, I just brought up here my uh, mock draft from the 2017 uh, uh, draft here. I had Gabriel Velarde going in the Kale Makar spot <laughs> mm-hmm. in and that that is really, I think that's an attribute to his skill. I mean, there were, I remember the day of the draft, there were whispers of people going, could could Villardi be going first overall? Is this the guy? I mean, he ended up going what 13th overall, if I'm not mistaken here. But I had him going ahead of guys like Casey Middlestat, Obviously, Kale McCarr. I was eating my words there, but I did know his skill. Uh Nick Suzuki, uh Elias Pedersen. I mean, this is A guy who had a lot of pedigree coming into the NHL. And I'm really pumped to see him uh, uh, really start to figure it out here. Um, I want to now move to the defense. And, of course, in the uh, series between the Edmonton Oilers and the Los Angeles Kings, the Kings were missing a very vital piece to their defensemen. And that is uh, future Hall of Famer Drew Doughty. How much has his uh, presence this year really uh, helped out the uh, young defensive core? I mean, guys like Sean Dursey, uh Matt Wal- Roy, uh, Mikey Anderson, uh, which right now is his defensive partner. Brant Clark has been thrown into uh, the lineup here and there as well. So how important is he to this young defensive core?
0: I mean, he's very important. You know, he and Alex Edler are the two old guys, obviously, uh, back on defense, but, um, you know, it's, it's the, the, the team defense has really been an issue for the Kings so far this year, uh, starting the year off, you know, uh, playing, a, you know, allowing six goals against Minnesota, allowing five, six goals against Pittsburgh. And, you know, there were a lot of lapses defensively. Um, and that Kings are been dealing with that. They had a really poor defensive game in their last game against Calgary. Um, so, um, it, you know, it's great to have drew back. I think he's invaluable as far as, you know, his leadership. Now that Dustin Brown is retired, he's taken on a bigger role with that. He is still one of the leading players in the NHL as far as time on ice. Um, He's running the first power play unit. So it's great to have him back. Um, I don't know, to be totally honest, if it's as big and as impactful as a lot of us thought it would be. Because of the issues we're having defensively, but I think overall, yes, we're we're glad to have him back. He's you know uh, he's a fan favorite. The enthusiasm he plays with and just what he brings to the ice, I think, is still uh, a big asset for the Kings. But um, yeah, if you're if you're the Oilers, uh, you see the 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 defense the Kings have been playing team defense. By the way, it's not just about the the blue liners; it's about everyone. Um, There have been some major lapses this year for the Kings. There have been some times where they have allowed, uh, like against Calgary, kind of a microcosm of the season defensively. They allowed they allowed four first-period goals, and all those goals were grade-A chances. Two-on-ones, guys in the slot not being covered. Jonathan Quick had no chance. And if you see that game, you're like, Quick allowed six goals. He stinks. It wasn't the case. He actually played really well, but he got no support from his defense. And we've seen that happen probably four or five times this year. Um, and then they've had games where they've held good teams like Tampa Bay and Toronto to a goal, and you're like, well, "What? Well, okay, wait. A-. We, we clearly we can do it, but why is this? Why is the consistency not there? And and we don't have an answer for that yet. If that gets figured out, with the way the Kings have improved offensively this year, I think they could be a pretty solid team, you know, and, and be a playoff team. But it, this these lapses, and, it, and you know, a seven game series it's about who's the more consistent team over, you know, seven games. And Mm -hmm. right now I don't have a lot of confidence that the Kings, if you go, if you play a seven game series, that they're going to be the more consistent team. So again, it sounds like the Oilers and the Kings have a lot in common uh, with the, with the consistency defensively. Um, But the one thing that again, seems to be the clear thing in favor of Edmonton is the power play because the Kings power play is still not good enough at all. So Mm. The, the more things change, the more things stay the same, it looks like, uh, for the L.A. Kings this year. Two more quick
1: questions for you, and you, you, you kind of took a lot of the words out of my mouth here, but again, Jonathan Quick started that game against the Calgary Flames, four goals in the first period, and if I'm not mistaken, I remember watching that game. It was 6-5 final. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, and I remember after the end of the uh, first period, they were talking on the panel here, talking about, oh, does Cal Peterson come in and stuff like that? Uh, Cal Peterson gets a start against the Oilers tonight. At least he was the first goaltender off at practice today. How do you feel with the, the goaltending tandem? How do you feel with Cal Peterson in general? I know a lot of people go, ah, oh, And it's difficult because people always have to preface because people don't understand when you go, oh, he's the next Jonathan Quick. People go, oh, he's not Jonathan Quick. He's learning. He's basically being groomed to be the next Jonathan Quick. Now, a lot. There you go. But you sit here and and you hear all this negative stuff around Cal Peterson. Again, I'm a positive fan of, of Cal Peterson. I like Cal Peterson. But what's your feeling with the whole goaltending situation in general how do you feel about the eventual transition of cal peterson and how do you think everything's been going so far
0: uh going into the season it was the biggest question mark i had for the kings and it has not been answered so far um jonathan quick is the guy but he can't start 60 games no that can't happen because at at the end of the year he's going to be worn out and he's going to be Hired, and you know, you want your number one goalie to be ready to go for the start of the playoffs. Uh, so Cal Peterson, two years in a row now, he has been looked upon to be someone to take that next step to show that he can eventually be a number one goalie. Hasn't happened. Uh, he has not been consistent enough. Um, his his performances have been spotty. Um, he's not gotten the support that he needs uh, as well. But bottom line is, um, do I feel confident Cal Peterson is the goalie of the future for the Kings? I do not. Um, he's still signed for two more years at $5 million a year. He's going to be paid like a number one goalie, and right now he's clearly not close to being a number one goalie. So uh, the Kings are hoping that sooner rather than later he can get on track because they want him to start some more games and help Jonathan Quick you know, pull the rope. But so far it hasn't happened, and I, I would have to say at this point, looking at the resume of GM Rob Blake, This has been the biggest misstep so far in investing in Cal Peterson, thinking he was the guy that was going to take over sooner rather than later. And right now, he's not ready to take over. So it's Jonathan Quick. um, But they hope Cal can find his game at some point because they need him to carry some of the load down the stretch. I am looking at the goaltending
1: prospects from the uh, Los Angeles Kings right now. Ah, Phoenix Copley. Shout out Phoenix Copley. And son of Edmonton Oilers legend UC, you see you So uh, thanks for that. Thank you for uh, employing him with an 890 save percentage so far right now. But we all know young goaltenders and and other leagues and save percentages don't always coincide. My final question here, uh, I'm going to go back up to the forwards. And Kevin Fiala, that was a massive addition for uh, the Kings this offseason. I love Kevin Fiala, I think. He is a, one of the more underrated players this year. Uh, how has he been so far uh, for the LA Kings?
0: He's been very good. Um, good. Uh, you know, he has every once in a while, he'll take a bad penalty. Uh, but, it, you know, it's something you can live with because of his skill. Um, it is interesting that he started off on the top line with Andre Kopitar and Adrian Kempe. And the emergence of Gabe Belarde has knocked him down to the third line. And you might say, see that and be like, oh. They're paying $7 million for a third-line winger. Of course, the flip side is we're paying $1 million for a top-line winger in Gabe Velarde, if you want to look at it that way. Hey. But he's actually, when he's he being moved down to the third line, has actually shown his game to take off at that point. I don't know if it was a fact of maybe he was deferring more, playing with Kopitar and Kempé, felt like he needed to be a little bit more of a distributor. Now that he's on the third line, he probably feels like, hey, I'm clearly the main guy on this third line, and I'm going to play like it, and he has. So um, he's actually played very, very well for the Kings. We didn't expect him to be on the third line, but it hasn't hurt the team at all. A matter of fact, it's made them deeper and more difficult to to defend, I'm sure. If you're a head coach for the Oilers or another team and you're like, who am I going to send out to defend the third line with, with Kevin Fiala on it, that, that p- provides some matchup problems. So uh, Kevin Fiala has been a positive so far, um, and uh, it is surprising that he's on the third line, but it's worked out very well.
1: Yeah, it's about distribution, right? A hundred percent. And uh, we're throwing out Clem Costin, baby. It's Clem Costin season up in Edmonton.
0: <laughs> well, Brett, thank you so much for uh, for joining us uh, today. Uh, looking forward to this matchup against the uh, Edmonton Oilers tonight. I'm sure you will be breaking it all down on tomorrow's Locked On Oilers show, as I will be on tomorrow's Locked On LA Kings show, so... Uh, it's always a fun matchup, but even though you're kind of on the edge of your seat every time the puck goes to Connor McDavid as a uh, opposing fan, uh, but uh, should be a fun game tonight. And uh, I won't wish you good luck because I won't mean it, but made the best <laughs> team win. How about that? Made the best. I, team win. I'm behind that. Made the best team win. <laughs> All right. He is Brett Holden. I'm Eddie Garcia. Uh, you can obviously see Brett on Locked on Oilers. Be sure to check out his channel and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow with another episode of Locked on Kings. Brett, thank you. And uh, we, we say go Kings go at the end of this one. Is it go, go Oilers go at the end? Is that what you guys say up there in, in Edmonton? We, we say play La Bomba, baby. All right. All right. That's, that's a good one. All right. Thank you, Brett. And thank you everyone for watching. Hope you enjoyed this crossover episode with uh, Brett Holden of Locked on Oilers. I'm Eddie Garcia, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.